Thank you so much, worship team. Thank you for all who are so much involved in uh, getting a service together uh, like this. I first would extend my thanks to K. Aldaba, our business administrator at the, uh, the church. Uh, how much work she goes to in coping, particularly with ones like myself that are making changes at the last uh, uh, minute. And she's not even here this um, weekend. She's off with the Fusion Youth on a uh, retreat. But she even had the update for the Batemans' new baby on the slide on the uh, overhead. So we were uh, very grateful for that, for that. And so much uh, of our gratefulness goes um, to uh, Emmanuel and the worship team, even doing double duty, putting chairs out on the parking lot. And, uh, and then to, to Jason uh, Sabino, uh, it used to be that we just scratch out hymn numbers on a piece of paper and hand to the organist or pianist, but now there's a whole rigmarole of online stuff that you go through to um, get a worship service up and running and changing keys here and there and whatnot and asking Kay to change the, produce the music to put the key in some more amenable form. And, uh, just, uh, it's uh, really uh, uh, amazing what, what goes on just to get to a point like uh, this. So, and welcome to those who are joining us from around uh, the world. Some of my friends from uh, uh, China and South America, uh, I think, will be online. So, bienvenido, and Nuestra Iglesia, uh, Ni Hao, Pag Palatin, Cayo Name Dios, Caribou Katika. Uh, Kanisa Letu and uh, Marhaba. Um, uh, uh, oh, I'm trying to think of uh, Salamu Alukum. Salam Lakom. We welcome uh, you. One month ago today, May the 27th, 2021, Kamloops, BC, the announcement of the discovery of 215 bodies in unmarked graves of indigenous children who died at a residential school. And then five days ago, June the 23rd, the announcement of 751 unmarked uh, graves in uh, Cowessus, uh, Saskatchewan. Even if we had never heard about these residential schools in uh, the past, would we have cared or would we have been indifferent or were we too conformed to the norms of our culture uh, to even sense the atrocities? I mean, when I was a kid in the mid-last uh, century, I heard the benefits of the residential school system, forced Ujamaa in Tanzania, or the kibbutzim, um, uh, although that was voluntary, in uh, Israel. Uh, social uh, answers to pro uh, society's problems we carry so much hurt from the past. Not only hurt, but hate. And three weeks ago today, June the 6th, in London, Ontario, five members of a Muslim family mowed down by a truck and four of them uh, died instantly. And recently, just this past week, more assaults on uh, Muslims um, out uh, west. Even if we had not aimed a truck at Muslims, have we viewed them with a hint of antipathy. American novelist James Baldwin has written, history is not just the past, it is the present. We carry our history with us. In other words, we carry our hurts, we carry our hates with us. We are our history, he says. 
past hurts, past hates, cause wounds that have scarred, uh, baggage that has encumbered, hostility that fills us. The Hate Within was the title of a CBC um, morning uh, radio program on Saturday mornings um, entitled The House. And their basic message was that we cannot let these things happen again. We need laws. We need more education. But can law address hatred or hurt in a person's heart? Can education remove the enmity? Somewhat, maybe. But to touch the heart, a transformation is needed. Not just laws, not just education, but a transformation that comes through the gospel with its proclamation that God is love. During the duration of our COVID-19 pandemic restrictions, an inaudible message has been blaring out from this pulpit about love. What's the message? You're staring right at it. God is love. Not that I haven't noticed it for the last 30 years, but the message seems to be accentuated uh, on online uh, services. This caption has been on our pulpit for 75 years. This pulpit is about 75 years old. Uh, the caption was there right back uh, then, but about five years ago, there were some, um, some of the number, uh, letters had chipped off, and uh, Grace Harris's grandson made this new sign, God is love. So our pulpit still proclaims, God is love. These words even prompted discussion in our small group one uh, evening uh, this uh, past uh, uh, semester. Uh, are these the best words to uh, place on our pulpit? Is there a better caption that we could put there to capture the gospel? If we're going to accentuate one attribute of God, his, his love, should we not balance it with another attribute? As a professor suggested to me about 50 years ago, that if you're going to put God's love on your pulpit, put also there, balance it with God's justice. So should we have that across the bottom? Or if we pictured each of God's attributes as uh, spokes on a wheel. And so you take the spokes and you label each one as one of his attributes, his justice, his impeccability, his um, omniscience, his omnipresence. Um, should we not perhaps put in the middle, God is holy that covers all these attributes. And what does God is love mean anyways? Even, is it scriptural? Well, turn with me to 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. And there we will have our answer to one of those questions anyways. Is God is love a scriptural quotation? 1 John 4, verse 7. So this is the, one of the letters right near the end of the Bible. 1 John 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, 
not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And then down in verse 16, so we have come to know and to believe that love, the love that God has for us, God is love. So twice in this passage, this uh, caption, God is love. To come to understanding it a little better, uh, we're going to focus on each word. First, the noun, the subject, God, and then the verb, uh, is and then the completion uh, of the phrase, the uh, word uh, love. And to help us flesh out the meaning of it, we will uh, have um, an explanatory sentence to add uh, to this as we progress along. So here's our outline. God is love. When we take that phrase, God is love, and accentuate the noun God, God is is love. God is love. What comes to my mind is that the essence of God is eternal love. The very essence of God is eternal love. God is love is a theological statement about God's divine essence or substance, his eternality, his being, his character, his personality, his uh, attributes, his very nature is love itself. The caption is not saying that God loves, but that God himself is love. Nor is this caption meaning that God is the source of love, although I hasten to add that God indeed is the source of love because in our um, uh, passage we read, uh, verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. So he is indeed the source of love. But this expression, God is love, is saying even more than that. Nor are we claiming that just one of his attributes is loving, but that all his attributes are. We're not excluding or ignoring any of them. His every thought, his every word, his every deed, his every attribute, his every thought towards us is loving, has embedded in it a dimension of love. They cannot be opposed to his essence as love. Some people might say, well, how can a God of love be vengeful uh, or inflict punishment uh, on me? Well, if God is love, it means that he is good. If he is good, he does what is right. If he does what is right, it means he is just. If he is just, he will reward uh, what is right. But what about evil? If he's just, he will punish evil. So um, no punishment, no justice. No justice, no goodness. No goodness, no love. So God is love is a component of every one of his attributes, even uh, his uh, wrath, even uh, his judgment. I'd like you to picture... Um, God's love-filled essence like this. Let each of his attributes uh, represent a color so that all the colors of the rainbow are represented on a disc. And then what we do is spin the disc. And what color 
what color is this disc going to come? Become. Well, it's not very white. If the light was better in here, uh, we would get a white color. Or if I had a faster uh, a drill to spin it around. So, um, a brilliant white color is the essence of God's love. All his attributes uh, spun together and combined together, producing a brilliant uh, white light. Love is notoriously difficult to, um, to define, but let me take this crack uh, at it. Love is taking all God's perfections, his attributes, actions, and thoughts, and spinning them together to reveal his essence, his very nature, which is love itself. Second, let's continue adding to our uh, explanatory sentence and focus on the verb. God is love. God is love. Ver verbs are action words. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave. Uh, no John 1, verse, uh, ch chapter um, 4, verse 9 that we read. Um, in this, those two little words mean uh, referring to something that's following. In this, the love of God was made manifest. There's the action. And then verse 10, the same two words at the beginning. In this is love. These verbs are pointing forward then to an action that follows. And the actions that follow are fo focused on someone. In order to love, obviously, we need someone we can give love to. Picture this. Before God created the world, no other beings, nothing. Before he created the world, he was all alone. Could he be loving? What's my error? Where am I going with this? God was not all alone before he created anything. The Lord Jesus Christ, his son, was with him. The Holy Spirit was with him. So there could be love within that trinity. There, to love, you at least need a duality. But uh, we have a trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So they were loving within themselves. So right from the beginning, there was that eternal love. C.S. Lewis uh, says, if God was a single person, then before the world was made, he was not love. Can Muslims speak and say that Allah is love? No. Jehovah's Witnesses that believed Jesus was created? No, they could not say, claim that, could they? So adding to our explanatory sentence there on your page, the essence, the essence of God is eternal love affectionately expressed through all his perfections. Affectionately expressed through all his affections. So God is love. God in his, uh, the essence of God is eternal love. Perfectly expressed, affectionately expressed through all his perfections. And of course, God's perfections refers to his attributes, his actions, his words, omniscience, 
omnipotence, uh, omnibevolence, graciousness, holiness, and so forth. All those are his um, um, perfections, and the quintessential attribute is love. So third, then, moving along to our expression, God is love. God is love. God is love. What can we add um, to our explanatory sentence? Well, again, going to verse 9 in your text, in this the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only Son into the world. In this is uh, the love of God. And the term of God there is in a particular form that um, stresses that God is the active agent in this uh, sentence. Um, The historical action is expressed in uh, God sent. And that verb is uh, in a form that stresses past action with a lasting effect. Past action, but lasting uh, effects. Uh, And then the adjective only expresses relationship, stressing the unique uh, relationship between the Son and and God the Father. Uh, So, sent expresses the mission. The adjective uh, only expresses the relationship. And these, actually, these words are different than in the uh, English version. The actual order is very emphatic. The words are, his Son, the only God sent God into the world. So his son, the only, stressing that unique relationship, the quality of closeness um, in that relationship, that speaks to me of the measurelessness of God's love. And then the intensity of the mission through that verb sent, uh, his son, the only sent God. It's in an emphatic position in the, uh, the sentence and uh, even matched by the phrase into the world, because Norman John uses the world to refer to the world of sinful men so and people. God sent his son into this sinful world from that perfect place of heaven. And then finally, verse 9 ends with the purpose of God sending his son, so that, or in order that, we might live through him. And this expresses the reason for God sending his son, So we've got there the measureless love of God, the matchless love of God, that he would send his son into this world. And then the verb live that uh, that John uses many times uh, throughout his gospel and in this book here. Um, The the word live, uh, we could well put, lives eternally. Sometimes he has uh, eternal life. Um, But living eternally, because the tense of that verb is stressing the eternality, uh, the beginning of an ongoing process of existing eternally in a loving relationship with God uh, through and in the Lord Jesus Christ. So God's love is not only measureless, not only matchless, it is ceaseless. And then pushing on to verse 10, which is, in a sense, is parallel to verse 9 here, if you look uh, at it. His love led him to surrender his son as a sacrifice for sins. The verse says, not that we have loved God. It's a negative clause uh, here placed uh, at the beginning for an emphatic position. And John is not saying that we have not 
loved God. We have loved God, but the, our love is inadequate. It's uh, lacking. It's incomplete. It's poor. It's weak. Uh, there's nothing lovable about us. But in that state, God loved us. His love is causeless. And then, but that he loved us. He took the initiative to love us, initiating love. And then finally, and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. And that verb sent is different from in verse 9. It's stressing uh, historic past action, a specific act of sacrifice. And of course, to be a propitiation for our sins, um, the NIV has atoning sacrifice. Um, Transliters have hunted around looking for an easier term to explain what this propitiation is. Uh, means, but uh, whatever term they use, you're going to have to explain it anyways. So uh, propitiation means to make a satisfactory payment to satisfy God's wrath so that he might be favorably disposed towards you, towards the sinner. So God placed no limit on the extent he would go to to demonstrate his love sending his son as a sacrifice. His love is limitless. Notice the words justified in um, Romans 3, 23 and 25, where this word propitiation is uh, used, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood. And so justified is a legal term. The word redemption is a marketplace term. And so how can all this work out, this justification and this redemption? Well, it all gets worked out because of propitiation, the sacrificial act by which God is made favorable toward us. Therefore, all that to say to accentuate this noun uh, love that we have before us here. Um, Yes, first, the essence of God is eternal love, affectionately expressed through all his perfections and demonstrated beyond measure through the sacrifice of his son for our sins. And demonstrated beyond measure, measureless, ceaseless, Uh, initiating love beyond measure through the sacrifice of his son for our sins. Sending his son to die for us. John 15, verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Romans 5, uh, verse 6 and following that we read at the beginning of the service. You can note the measurelessness, the matchlessness, the causelessness, the ceaselessness of um, um, love there. For while we were still weak, there's the causeless love of God. At the right time, Christ died. Limitless uh, love. Died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person. If you knew someone good, maybe you might die for uh, them. Though perhaps for a good person, that's someone you are in a relationship with, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, 
He took the initiative. Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, the matchless love, uh, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if, while we were enemies, the causeless love, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. There's the ceaseless uh, love of God for us. So into the state of rebellion, God extends his love. Why Why would you ever consider refusing this love? Why would you not reach out and accept God's love for you? Why not commit your life uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ? If you're watching online, why not call someone, contact them, in some way, and say, I want to pray. I want to accept um, the Lord Jesus Christ as my propitiatory sacrifice. You might not want to use a big word like that, but you're recognizing that, that God's wrath is being turned away from you when you reach out and accept God's love for you. So in summary, the essence of God is eternal love affectionately expressed through all his perfections and demonstrated beyond measure through the sacrifice of his son for our sins. God, his essence is love, is the expression of all his perfections. Love demonstrated through the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. Could we come up with a better caption for our pulpit to express the gospel than uh, this one here. God is love. I want to go on and think about three principles that spring from this, the expression, beloved, let us love one another. Notice that I'm not expounding this passage according to the way it's written here. We're kind of bouncing around a little bit. But to go back to verse 7, beloved, let us love one another. And then a very similar expression down in verse 11. Beloved. If God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. How should we respond to the fact that God is love? Well, um, in this expression, uh, first, love must include affection. Love is more than altruism. Love includes affection. John addresses his uh, hearers several times, his listeners several times through this letter with this term beloved. Embedded in the word beloved is the word agape that you've heard of, the word for love. John is uh, actually um, practicing what he preaches uh, here as he addresses his um, uh, readers. It's a very affectionate term. And so before John asks us to love, he shows that he himself is uh, loving. John was a pastor for about uh, 25 to 30 years. And there's a mistake in your written transcript if you have one. Um, he would have uh, escaped from Jerusalem uh, just a year or two or three before the Romans destroyed it in 70 uh, AD. And he went and took up residence in Ephesus one of the churches that we read about in uh, uh, Revelation. And there he um, uh, ministered until uh, his death, although 
probably many of those, some of those years anyways, he spent on the island of Patmos, where he uh, wrote, the, uh, received the message of the book of Revelation. And um, maybe he was on Patmos when he wrote uh, this um, book of First uh, John. And the people, he was hearing stories as he, as he was out on this island, um, that people were turning away from this aspect of uh, loving one another. They didn't think it was necessary to love one another. Loving God was sufficient, but we didn't have to love uh, one another. So he is addressing that. By the way, altruism is doing good things for others without having any thoughts of personal reward or recognition or thinking of self-sacrifice. Uh, it's kind of compared to uh, utilitarianism, just doing things without love. But what does Paul say in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 3, the love chapter? He says, if I give away all I have, that's altruism. And if I deliver up my body to be burned, self-sacrifice, but have not love, I gain nothing. So love involves affection, includes affection. Secondly, love involves attitudes. It is more than just external actions. It involves inner attitudes. Beloved, says John, let us love. And that particular verb is in a very um, uh, interesting form that stresses that love involves a continuing attitude, a continuous attitude. Keep on loving. It involves having a positive inner willingness to invest whatever is necessary to heal uh, the hurts and the hates that others have. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4, love is patient and kind. Patience has that attitude of keeping on, accepting the difficult situation uh, from God and not giving him a deadline to remove it. Kindness requires a disposition of investing whatever is necessary to heal the hurts of others. Recall what novelist uh, James Baldwin said. He said, history is not the past, it is the present. We carry our history with us. We carry those hurts. We carry those hates. And so we need so much patience. We need to invest so much kindness in the lives of others. And just dropping down our page, if you still have First John uh, 4, verse open, uh, uh, there, notice verse 20. John says, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. And we might say, oh, well, I don't hate others. I might feel indifferent towards them. But this verb here, hate, can carry that sense. It, it, it really is saying, I love God, but have an ongoing disposition of indifference toward my brother. I was so glad that, past, uh, that uh, Matthew Oakham spoke uh, last uh, Sunday uh, around uh, the uh, subject of after we open up uh, after the pandemic um, um, uh, this COVID pandemic is over, look around and see who is missing and contact them. See what, why they're not uh, uh, showing up and invite them, encourage them. Did you know that uh, churches that are starting to open up in the United States and are allowed 100% attendance, they are fine. And even though 100% could attend, only um, about 60 to 70% are. 
30 to 40 percent are missing in action, particularly children. Have they become lazy? Has the digital behavior of a Sunday morning become solidified in their, their mind? Or is there an indifference they have towards uh, others? Some people might say, well, you know, I never really liked the people in that church anyways. Um, uh, some of them are obnoxious, and I can do without them in my life. It's just fine to watch online. Beloved, in our post-pandemic challenge, uh, it will be to stifle that indifference that we have and to rekindle inner loving attitudes. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit because only the Holy Spirit can change that inner attitude. Law cannot do so. Uh, education will not do so. And then a second challenge will be to be making connections again with others, becoming hospitable, welcoming people into your home. So, um, love includes affection. Love involves attitudes. Third, love invests in another. Love invests in another someone. Love is relational. One, uh, love is a relational concept. Beloved, let us love one another. Horses don't count. Talking about love, dribbles maybe, or, or, or whatever you have. Uh, loving one another doesn't make sense unless it applies to other Christians, unless we have others in uh, our life. Love one another. Sometimes John uses the word love uh, in a, a general way, so it's not just Christians that we are to love, but everyone. But this expression, love one another, uh, brings out or reminds us of other one another's in Scripture. Serve one another, bear one another's burdens, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, encourage one another and build one another up, get vaccinated to serve one another in love. That's in John's fourth letter. Yeah, John MacArthur's study Bible. Um, he, I know that Scripture is... Uh, uh, stresses too that we should love ourselves uh, love your neighbor as yourself but the problem is self-love can so easily drift into self-seeking or insisting on one's own rights 1 Corinthians 13 verse 5 again the seventh characteristic of love is that it love does not insist on its own way the NIV has love is not self-seeking and it's so easy to orbit my life around my rights, my wishes, my feelings, my convictions. Self-love becomes self-ism, me-ism. And so I, I ask, and I ask this gently, is resistance to mask-wearing or vaccination, resistance to vaccination, reflecting self-love becoming self-ism or me-ism? If vaccinations potentially reduce the number of patients uh, in hospital intensive care units. And if you are a vaccine holdout, unless there's some medical reason that getting a vaccination might put you into the hospital, should not love for others prompt a desire in you to think of others and their desire to reduce as quickly as possible the long backlist 
of uh, surgeries that have been postponed. I found out um, uh, this past week that one of my fellow pastors up the Ottawa Valley has had, is waiting on a double hip surgery for over a year, and his uh, doctor says maybe by this coming December, if we can reduce the number of um, uh, people in ICU uh, units. And he <laughs> talked about the pain and trying to balance the pain over this um, uh, length of time. Would not love suggest that I should do everything I can to prevent getting uh, COVID-19 so that it would encourage him. In fact, I'm a, uh, I was on a waiting list because I got into the Eye Institute this past week to get my vision fixed up. After having uh, surgery back in March, I ended up with a wrinkled uh, lens and that was put off. I was going around looking at everybody as kind of wrinkled. No, that's a, I did wonder why you were looking more aged, but uh, anyways. Uh, but that got lo uh, looked after. Deference means to limit my rights, my prerogatives, in order to serve others. So, love includes affection, love uh, involves attitudes, love invests in one another. I told my wife I would be done within a half an hour. Um, I don't know, I didn't set my watch to start. But um, So, uh, just ending, uh, three ways to lean into love for one another. Uh, first, to fathers or any man in leadership positions, I want to say, uh, first, compliment using uh, character qualities. Memorize definitions of character qualities and use them to complement your family. We're tempted to compliment um, children for wrong reasons. For instance, uh, father says, daughter, you're a beautiful child. You're going to be an eye stopper someday. Or son, you have a voice like an angel. God will use you in the future. These are compliments focusing on the wrong thing, on things that child, a child has nothing to do with. That's called flattery. What happens if your son loses his voice? But noting a, uh, noting a character quality expresses in a child, uh, expressed in a child draws attention to inner qualities that cannot be taken away. Daughter, you combed your hair this morning without being asked. You're learning to take initiative. Initiative is noticing what needs to be done and, uh, before I am told to do it. And son, I heard you practicing your voice lesson this morning. You are developing diligence. Diligence is visualizing tasks as special assignments from God and using all my energies to accomplish them. And on your uh, written uh, notes there, we've got a... Uh, a link to a source online. There are many links uh, that you can go to to get a copy of uh, character qualities, 49 of them, all on one page, and begin to memorize those, Father, and then noting them uh, and how they're expressed in your children. Second, not only to complement using character qualities, but commit to growing in one character quality. So for this is maybe more for mothers who are dealing with children uh, more uh, personally through the day. Um, pick one character quality in which you feel you need to grow and begin to build that into your life. Don't call or don't say that you are failing in that char character quality, but you want to learn to grow in it. Crystal Payne has an article on the web entitled How I Stopped Yelling at My Kids. And uh, she thought she was a very patient person. And then she had children. 
she pictured herself as very sweet and loving and uh, always cheerful and so forth. And then she had kids. Uh, she found herself increasingly yelling, snapping at them, getting so agitated and uh, frustrated. And one night she was so upset, uh, she said, I've got to do something uh, about this. I need to develop patience and stop getting angry. And so she made a four-week commitment and expressed it to her husband, uh, Jesse, that uh, he would hold her accountable. And here's what the commitment was, that whenever she felt like lashing out at, and yelling at one of her kids, she would lean into love and express love to them in some way. And the first day was very, very hard, she says. One child in particular was pushing all her buttons and seeming to make a game of trying to see how he could annoy her. Uh, the child tried all uh, their usual tactics. But what she did was whenever the child uh, did that, she uh, leaned into him. She went to him or her and huddled, uh, cuddled uh, them and expressed love uh, to them. And what she noted was that the child's attitude drastically changed. Within one day, even at the end of the first day, the child was asking how he could uh, or she could help her. And so on it went, and the four-week experiment was a smashing success. She wrote this five years ago, and um, uh, she reports that uh, she's turned it into a 40-year um, project. She says, I can safely say that this one change in me has changed the tone in our whole home. My children are more helpful and respectful. I am so much happier. Jesse is happier because we are happier, and our home is much much calmer. Third, compliment using character qualities. Commit to growing in one area. And then for families or for any group that you're in, uh, perhaps at the office or whatever, take the 30-day kindness challenge. Take the 30-day kindness challenge. You can go online to that um, uh, link that is on your notes there. And uh, you take the kindness qu uh, quotient if you want, an assessment tool. But daily, if you sign up for it, that daily they will send you an email with uh, strategies to uh, how to express uh, uh, kindness. There are three basic um, elements in kindness, avoiding negativity, expressing affirmation, and acting generously. And so what you do, say in your family, uh, you put all your names into a hat, choose a name, don't tell anyone the name that you have chosen, and then each day take the particular uh, part, element of uh, uh, kindness and express that secretly in a way so they don't notice, you're not, they're not expecting it. Express that to your target. And then at the end of 30 days, um, see if anyone has figured out um, who they were uh, a target of. And keep a journal too, if that um, uh, helps. So... Com uh, compliment using character qualities. Build one character quality into your life and take the 30-day kindness uh, challenge. Beloved, it gives me great honor and great joy to stand before you this morning and to proclaim to you that God is love. The essence of God is eternal love. Affectionately, uh, expressed through all his character qualities, through all his perfections, and love above all that is demonstrated 
be without measure through the death of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, for our sins. Beloved, let us love one another.